believe we made it to episode two. Episode two, yeah! We've made it, baby. Yeah, baby. We're officially podcasters. No do one can ever take that away from us. Do we get like a badge? Though or I doubt anyone would ever try. Or like a mug saying podcaster. A mug is very anticlimactic. Yeah, it's a bit. It's very cheap and it's a bit sad. tacky. Also, what would it say? World's Just podcast. What? No, we're not like the it'll best say, anything. Like we're on week two. <laughs> it'll say worlds and then there'll be blank and it'll say podcaster. This is sad. Yeah. This is sad. But it was very exciting this whole week having that first podcast out there, knowing that people were listening to it was pretty, pretty cool. Although there is a change.org petition no. right now. There's to try not. and stop this from happening. Is there really? With just our friends and family's like oh, signatures on just it? Just our loved ones. That's really dark. That's really dark. What? No. It's you don't been... have to listen to petitions anyway. They're not legally <laughs> they binding. They don't mean anything. Duh. Like the Brexit referendum. Oh, God. Make a second. Um, a second. Sorry. Stop our tap <laughs> podcast petition because we don't like the results of the first one. Yeah. It's getting very meta. It was pretty exciting, though, knowing, like, all this week, knowing that people were listening to our, our silly voices talking about silly things. Someone could be listening to episode one right now as we record episode two. Oh, wow. And then they're, like, really excited, and then episode two appears, and there we are. It they're is... very optimistic. They might not yeah. be excited at all. <laughs> they're probably excited. They've got, like, one of those old-school calendars and they've like put an x on the next monday oh yeah they're a super fan and every day they're just waiting for for the monday to come about they're the only people on earth left using an actual calendar and a pen they're frantically refreshing the soundcloud page (laughs) i think we're dreaming maybe yeah there could be someone out there who really enjoyed that first podcast besides my best friend yeah Shout out to my best friend. You know who you are. My BFF. There's like five people out there right now like, is she talking to me? <laughs> no, that's not true. Keep them all know. at arm's distance. That's your that's your <laughs> tactic, isn't it? No. How manipulative. She knows who she is. Or he. No, you she. you got to keep the mystery. <laughs> Treat them mean. Keep them keen. That's not how anything works That's time-honoured wisdom. That's such a myth. If you say something enough, it becomes true. Well, I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Pretty sure. Sure so, to yeah. be sure. It was weird to put that podcast out there and to think it's on the internet now. You can yeah, never take that back. Was. Wow, yeah. It is scary to put yourself out there and see what people think. It's weird how in one sense it was a really big deal and then in another sense the world just continued on like normal. What did you think was going to happen? Like, I don't know. New York Times headline. <laughs> like, I Sam know and Ryan that it put out a podcast gonna, finally. Yeah, I know that we were not the types to like go viral or whatever, but I don't know. A part of me was like, this is a big thing and everything afterwards is going to be different. But it was just normal. It was just, it was just like writing a blog post. Yeah. You write it, you put it up, and then you kind of forget about it. Well, not forget about it, but you move on to the next one. And here we are at the next one. How do you know it didn't go viral? This might have five million yeah. views on some like obscure Chinese and we're just living in a video box, website. Living in a cardboard box. Do you think anyone's ever gone viral for like an embarrassing video, but then they never find out about it? I was gonna say, of course, that happens all the time. But then you added in the and never knows about it. Yeah, that's gotta be strange. Like you're walking down the 
pavement and you slip on ice and like have an That's embarrassing mean. fall and then it has like 200 million views on youtube and you just never know about it i really dislike when people do that and they post things of people like that who are like un- unaware unawares it's very well i guess you could kind of say they didn't know it was going to go viral but even posting it in yeah, the first place is kind of it's questionable but that's a whole other topic and talking about topics that was a what expert do, segue. What do you have? That's the for type me? of segue that only a second podcast That's like some, can produce. Um, some blue Peter shit right there. So many people listening to this aren't going to know what that is. So many people are going to know what that is. Blue Peter is legendary. There's just one British listener at home stroking their gold Blue Peter badge. So you see, you know, you you want a Blue Peter badge. Sad. Okay, so what have you got for me this week? So the first topic that I want to talk about is a Washington Post article. And it's basically talking about when should the police release videos of shootings. Nice and light, nice and light. Yeah, very, very light. (laughs) And obviously this is kind of spurred by the recent shooting in Charlotte. Yeah. Where the head of the police initially said he wasn't going to release the video and then he bowed to, you know, general internet pressure and did release it. But it was just kind of generally talking about and it was kind of sourcing different opinions about when should the police release videos of controversial killings. And I just wanted to get your your thoughts on that as an expert in criminology. It's a hard one because... I guess the idea is that you release it if it's in the interest of the public. And at what point do you say it is in the interest of the public? Yeah, I don't know, because I feel like so many of these things happen so often all around the world... We only get to hear, even though it seems like we're hearing about it more and more, more and more people are getting killed when, you know, seemingly it's like they shouldn't be getting killed. They shouldn't be getting shot at. There are so many more cases and we're not seeing all of them. So why are we only seeing some of them? Maybe that's what we we almost should be asking. But I don't know. Um... I would say when it's in the interest of the public, but How do you I measure feel that? almost How do you like that? that's not even a thing anymore. Because before, like, cert- certain things when it came to, like, important people like politicians and things like that, that was always, well, if it's in the interest of the public, we talk about it. Um, but we know everything beyond that. Do you get what I'm saying? Like... There's no barrier anymore, almost. We get as much information as we possibly can. We squeeze it dry. But is that a reasonable expectation that has kind of been gendered because of that? Do people have a right to see police shootings before a jury has weighed in on that? Yeah, because then it becomes almost like a public case, kind of like the OJ thing where that was like really, really kind of like the pressure from the public and... They had just been the LA riots and so everyone was really <clears throat> already fired up about it. I think I think what I wanna say is 
most of the time these videos are filmed by bystanders, right? Like usually Sometimes they're by yeah. police body cams. And so I feel like it's actually more so up to them. It's like can the police take that from them legally? I think they can if under the guise of collecting evidence. Hmm. I think the problem that just to to play devil's advocate that is usually brought up as the case for not releasing these videos before the legal system has basically given its verdict on the case yeah is that people are always going to see what they want to see in these videos like sometimes well, assuming that there is kind of a doubt being raised yeah. by them like if there's it's a questionable predicament but it comes down to your interpretation of it the people who are inclined to think that the police murder people without provocation if it's a, if it's a video that could go either way they're going to watch the video and think well this went the way that i think it did yeah. and they're going to be outraged by that and the people who are inclined to think that the police always act honorably and reasonably are going to watch it and think wow that police officer did what they were supposed to do and then there's also the further thing of if if you watch someone being killed you're never going to come away from that feeling okay or satisfied that it was that it was fine watching someone be killed is a horrific experience even if it's the kind of secondhand emotional impact of seeing it on video so if you even if a police shooting is technically reasonable or justifiable if you put that video out there and then people see it they're going to have a a naturally negative reaction because it's a video of a person being killed. So you're saying then that really then by releasing it that all people are going to see is that someone's getting killed and so it's always going to have that negative... Of course it's negative, but you see what I mean? It's always going to have that kind of... Oh my God, this is this is, this is is wrong. You did something wrong. Someone must have done something wrong. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people will go into judging the footage with the pre-existing idea of there shouldn't be killings by police like if Mm. there is a killing by police there must be something suspect or something that can be condemned in the situation and so a lot of people are going to go into the video thinking like basically looking for reasons to come out the other side with the opinion that it wasn't justified I know this is not the point, but in these videos, why don't they ever shoot them in the leg? This, I've heard people talk about this before. I think it's a confluence of several different reasons. I think the police are trained to shoot center mass, which is like the torso, whenever there's, like, if they pull their gun, that is a lethal option. Yeah. Like, if they pull their gun, it's because they're, in a situation where taking that person's life will be justified. If they want a non-lethal option, they've got like a taser or a baton or something like that. And so if you pull the gun, the situation has reached a certain point where you are now feel justified taking that person's life. And so there's no point. It's so foreign to me in a way though, that you would, I feel like in a lot of situations, they're automatically just pulling their gun. What's happened up until that point where they're just pulling their gun? Usually it's nothing. We're stopping you because such and such 
and we've got our guns out because we don't know if you've got a gun. Why is the assumption that someone's always going to have a gun? I don't feel... Maybe it's because we're British and that's not the thing here. Police officers, unless you are in the special unit where you have guns, um, don't have guns. They don't even have tasers, do they? Some More and more British yeah. police seem to have tasers. And... And I don't think the first thing that they do is even pull out their their baton. I think the first thing is like trying to calm down the situation. You kind of get yourself in a stance of like, hey, what's going on? Let's try and stop this. Why is it all of a sudden just got to be pull your gun? I'm stopping you because you've got a broken tail light, but I'm going to get my gun out. I don't understand that. Well, obviously... (laughs) In the United States, there is a high prevalence of firearm ownership. And so I think it is more reasonable to make Mm. the assumption. Not to necessarily pull your gun out, but for example, I know that when police are making traffic stops, sometimes they put their hands on top of their holsters just to get ready. Yeah. Because obviously if you make a traffic stop, you walk up to the window and a guy has like, you know, a shotgun ready. Yeah. All he has to do is point it at you and pull the trigger. So you need to, as a as a cop, you need to put yourself at a similar state of at a moment's notice readiness to but draw your weapon. I feel like, and I totally understand what you're saying. And I, I'm not saying I disagree with the fact that they do that because they don't know what the other guy's going to have. But by pulling your gun, you're making a situation hostile straight away. You don't know what's happening, but all you're doing is pulling a gun and it's like, okay, I'm ready to like, I'm ready to shoot you. I don't know what you've done, but I'm ready to shoot you. That's such a weird backwards way of thinking to me. But that <clears throat> kind of goes back to the the video thing, because when you do see these videos, usually it is just the shooting and then maybe like 30 seconds before. A lot of yeah. times you don't see the several minutes previous of important context where certain things happen that would then better explain what goes on at the critical moment. Because usually there's some kind of commotion and that's why the person gets out their cell phone and starts um, recording. And so you're right, you do kind of usually miss the beginning part of it, which is crucial. I don't know, I feel like... When they say they don't want to release it, you automatically think, well, something they want to cover something up. But I guess from their point of view, they might all along just be thinking, why should we release it? This is not anything to do with anyone but the people involved. But then you've got to think, well, certain people don't have that voice. If someone has been wrongfully killed or something has gone down and there's a lot of people interested in it, like, this is the fifth shooting that day or that week or whatever it is. And we want to know what's going on. Why are the police killing so many people seemingly wrongly? We want to see. We want to know. We need to know. When the voice is that big. But the question is, even with that kind of strength and number of doubters and people who want to figure out what's going on, does that then constitute a good enough reason to basically release this information and prejudice everyone who could potentially be a juror later on 
just to just to quell that kind of public tide of curiosity. I never thought about it like that in terms of like a jury. Because if you do put the video out, even if a potential juror down the line doesn't make up their mind based on that, they're then going to be surrounded by people and media coverage that has. So it's a balancing act. This is a really hard one. But this is going to become increasingly... Because this one, I'm sure if I was knew someone who had been killed and I'm like no that doesn't sound like that person surely they were like wrongfully killed I want to see that video I know I'd want to see the video I'd want to make sure that what I believe to be true is true well in the Charlotte case if I remember correctly the police chief did say at first we aren't releasing the video to the public but we will show the family of the victim and so that kind of circumvents your objection because, yeah. And then the question really does become what, ro- does it, what right yeah. do people completely uninvolved in this situation have to view the footage afterwards? It is a hard one because the only pro that I can see is that we can all know that they've done something wrong. That is a weighty reason, I feel. Because then, like you said... But there what is- if they haven't done something wrong? It's not always the case. But... I think a lot of people are going to default to that position yeah. of suspicion, of suspecting the police to cover it up. But the question is, how important is it to quell that doubt? Yeah. Well, maybe then everything should just be out in the open. No, because then I keep coming back to the jury thing. Since you said it, I can't help but think... Because I know that they'll ask, have you seen the video? And then the will might could get dismissed but in certain situations that. everyone has seen the video or has heard what happens in the video or well no because i can imagine like my mom for instance hasn't seen half of these things so say like someone like that called up to be a juror so we can just clone your mom <laughs> 12 times no but you know what i mean someone like extremely busy who doesn't necessarily frequent the internet as much because i don't know how much they show that's the difference with us being British is they do show some of those videos here but I can imagine on certain news stations, local news stations in America that these types of things are on a loop. When something happens and it first comes out, it's like on a loop and it's like that's how you know everyone's going to see it. Because there's that repetitive coverage. Yeah, but being so far away, I can't say that. Um, if it wasn't for the jury thing, I would say that Everything should just be made viewable to the public. Kind of like, if they have, like, body cams, that footage should be made viewable to the public. Well, what I was going to say was, this is going to become increasingly the most prominent question of ethics about policing. Because body cams, I think it's pretty clear at this point, even though there is a lot of resistance to them inside of police forces... I think body cams are going to become the standard. And so at some point we're going to have to figure out what the the procedure is in terms of releasing that footage. Yeah. I think there's two reasons why people fight against body cams. One is they're insecure in terms of their job, whether they're doing their job correctly and they don't want to be picked apart. Like in a non-nefarious way, yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. worried they're not they're just worried following the bureaucratic rules. Maybe they're a new police exactly. officer or whatever. 
maybe they're not as street smart as they need to be and they're worried about that. And the other thing is, is if you know you do yeah. things that you're not supposed to be like doing. really bad things. Exactly. And so I feel like everyone, they should always have body cams. Everyone should have body cams. Because there is so much of it now. Well, again, to play devil's advocate, you sometimes see people on that side of the argument, the other side, saying, why should police officers be expected to basically give up their privacy? Well, because they're public servants. But is it reasonable to ask a public servant to record everything they do for eight hours a day, five days a week? Yeah... I guess when you put it like that, I think about myself. If I was in a job and they said, oh, we film you the whole time, it would be weird, yeah. But The counterpoint is that this footage, I think, is only reviewed if something goes wrong. Yeah, so it's not like someone is watching you all the time. They're only going to watch back if someone reports something, I guess, is the idea. Yeah, I think so. I guess that's almost like CCTV everywhere. There's not always someone at that at every single camera in Actively the whole world. It, yeah. They're looked at if they need to be looked at. Yeah, and then they... That, no, yes, that it's fine, because then, really, what you should be coming into this thinking is that, well, mine's never going to need to be looked at because I know I'm going to do my job the way I'm supposed to do my job. But then... And I, I feel like I've played devil's advocate at every step in this argument. <laughs> and I will say what I actually feel in a second, but just to offer one more position from the other side i think the counterpoint to that would be even if i'm doing my job in terms of the like official you know manual of policing and i get involved in a violent incident or killing of of a suspect i may have followed every rule that i'm supposed to in terms of the you know the codified like body of rules that the police are supposed to follow but if you then release that video to the public they're not going to know all the intricacies and the subtleties of what of the rule set are supposed to follow they're just going to see it and make their own uninformed judgment mm. that i'm a sadistic murderer but if you really have followed every rule to a t that will be evident to who on the video yeah but people don't know I feel you like mean the if general the video public... like only shows someone being shot, nothing, absolutely nothing before and absolutely nothing after. No, what I'm saying is like just to give a hypothetical example. I don't know whether this is actually true, but say there's a video where a cop pulls a guy over and tells him to you know put his hands on the wheel, and the cop's standing by the window, and the guy reaches for his glove box suddenly. And the guy in his mind is thinking, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna grab my license and registration before he asks for it, so it's it's there ready. But the police for for some reason the policeman is on edge. He interprets that sudden movement as a grab for a weapon and then shoots the guy dead. It may be the case that the official kind of police rules justify that. Like under that kind of very specific set of like, if you fear for your life and the perpetrator or whatever you want to call it... If you're in a 70s cop show, sure. <laughs> the perp. ...does something that you've told them not to do. Yeah. So what I'm saying is... But then the he question might... is, does that justify murder? What I'm saying is, what they would have done in that situation would be justified under the yeah. what the police expect. 
But then if you put that video out onto the internet and the uninformed public watches it, they're going to think this guy is just an insane murderer mm. because that guy was just leaning over in the seat and then the policeman shot him in the head. And so then everyone who watches it is going to think that this guy yeah. is evil and did something wrong, even though he was justified under the rules he's yeah. supposed to be operating under. I see what you mean in terms of, like, imagining myself viewing that video and not having any of the facts or having the facts but not knowing whether that's a rule or not. I guess really in an ideal world you'd want, if that was to really happen, you'd want the police officer not to just shoot the guy but to be like, you know, keep your hands where you are. I'm gonna. I'm pulling my gun or whatever. Keep your hands where you are, and if they still go for the thing, you get ready to shoot or whatever. And you shoot at the last possible minute. But it almost seems like in these videos that's never the case. As soon as the person moves an inch, they get shot. The person can be on the floor, they get shot. The person isn't even facing you, they get shot. And so it really just seems like a lot of these instances. The person's trigger happy. Maybe they have other reasons behind it. Maybe some of them really are just racist fucks. But, like, I don't know. We don't know the actual rules. And we can't know what we'd feel or know in that situation ourselves. Would our first instinct just to be to grab that gun? I'm sure it's a really fucking hard job to do. I think... What I would end up thinking is that it should just be released. Because then if it's not released, you risk things like riots. Because we are now in a world where we have gotten used to being able to know and access everything. And the minute you try to stop people from accessing it, well, no one's going to want that. Especially when they think something wrong is being done. But then sometimes there are riots even when you release the video. Well, that's usually when it turns out that the police have done something wrong. I mean, sometimes, there's no real... There's no... I don't know that you can say for sure there's... Yeah. It only happens when the police have technically no, done something wrong. No, of course wrong. not, but... That's what I was saying at the beginning. Like, if a community is already on edge and they already, in their minds, have this pre-existing bias towards believing that what happened in this incident was wrong if you then release a video and it doesn't show the suspect you know turning around and pulling a tommy gun <laughs> which you know i don't know why you'd have a video from the 1940s or whatever but if it does if it's not completely explicitly like inarguably clear cut that the police shot him because he was trying to kill the police the community is then going to fall on the side of saying well, this was an unjustified murder, and now we now we feel kind of justified in rioting. Well, then, then what you've got to say is, what's it better to riot for? Are we? That's deep. Is it better and more acceptable to riot because you're not being given access to something that you believe you should be given access to, or? Are we rioting because this person was just wrongfully killed and we believe that this runs deeper than just an accident or, you know, whatever. And I think if you're risking a riot anyway, you should release it. So 
I'll stop playing Devil's Advocate <laughs> at this point. I realized that I've been doing this throughout this whole conversation just because I've been curious about what yeah. your different well, positions will be. Well, that's also the only way to get a, a real... Because if you're just agreeing... Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I feel basically the same way. I think body cams are a very, very good phenomenon. And like I said, I think they... Not only will they, but they should become the standard in police forces. Because it adds a level of accountability that was otherwise not there. When it's a policeman's word versus your word, you're pretty much screwed, regardless of what actually happened. Because let's face it as well, police officers have a lot of power. Maybe not when you have to go all the way up the chain, but in that moment, they're the boss of you. And so the body cam is kind of the safeguard, the equaliser. And I think it's extremely transparent when you see police unions or individual police officers trying to oppose it. The, the argument that has been foisted on the public about government surveillance of if you don't have anything to hide... You don't have anything to worry about when we spy on you. I think that is obviously a completely spurious idea in that case. But I do when, too. when you apply it to the police force, I think it has a it can gain a lot more traction and it can be a lot more grounded in a reasonable idea. Because you're basically saying you have agreed to conduct yourself by a very specific, very explicit set of rules. And you either do or you don't. The only question is whether you are caught out when you don't. Yeah. And so this makes sure that you are caught out. And you have an accountability to the public because you've been entrusted with this power and this authority. And that's why there's a heightened responsibility mm. on you to be flawless, to, to follow things to the exact letter. Exactly. We are giving you the keys to the castle. You can pretty much do whatever you want within these rules, which is a lot. They can do a lot. Yeah. They can enter people's homes. They can arrest people. They can fucking shoot people. There's a lot of power. And as, you know, I think we've all seen, people sometimes don't know how to handle that. They don't know how to deal with that. They let it take over. And so that was that's the first part of what I'd say. The second part is that I basically agree with you that almost every time the video should be released to counterbalance the police holding all the power in terms of what information gets out there. I think it should just be the accepted standard that the information is put out there in the public domain because then it doesn't give them any kind of leeway to say, oh, we're holding this back because we don't think the public will be able to judge it properly, which then can be abused so that we don't see you know their abuses of power so i think on balance even though there is going to be some negative consequences of giving the public this ammunition for their outrage justified or not i think overall the right of the general population which is let's not forget supposed to be governed by their own consent and policed by their own consent that counterbalances it enough so that the police video should be released because actually as well and i feel like i've only just realized this in the very simple terms you've killed someone whether you think it was right or not you've killed someone you've taken a life out of this world you should have have to acknowledge that 
and you should have to be able to face that and account for it and properly. account for it and that should mean anyone anyone should be able to say someone died today and i want to know why and then there's the additional aspect of even if the policeman in question i keep saying policeman i should probably say police i almost wanted to say police person but that is completely insane say police officer police officer so even if the police officer in question did follow the police code of conduct exactly as they were supposed to i think the video should be put out there so that people can judge whether the actions that that code of conduct lead to are okay with them like Mm -hmm. Even if the pl- the police officer was following the rules exactly, people might still be. A- yeah. It might still be reasonable for people to say, <clears throat> "Well, we're still not okay with this killing because whatever system of rules leads to this scenario is not okay, and that should be changed." And the only way it's going to get changed if people can can see what certain yeah rule sets lead to. I was just going to interject and say that. Because of the first part that you said, actually, yeah, that's how things would can change. That's how things evolve and grow and change and how we get new rules and how we get new things passed. Is that actually a third of the, or a half or however many is of the town or city or country disagrees with this. And the only people that do agree are the 50 people that work there in that district. And so... That's how we get things changed. And so I agree. And to a certain extent, this might be a moot point at this point. Because like you said, so many of these videos that come out are shot by bystanders on their phones. And a lot of them, increasingly, I feel like this has become a a trend in recent months are being live streamed and so the police can't yes. take them down like if it's if you're streaming it live to facebook it gets i assume it gets automatically saved once the stream yeah. is finished and then people are going to save that stream to their own computers and at that point you've got no control at yeah all. the police can't destroy that you know yeah because if you just record it on your phone and you've not posted it anywhere yeah. they can say oh i want to take your phone into evidence and then potentially that video could be gone forever. But yeah, you're right. And that I think is a good streamed. thing overall. Because that ensures that the video gets out there. Even if the police for nefarious reasons want to suppress yeah. any evidence or information about what happened. Another thing about that is as well. Is that nothing is being changed or edited or trimmed or cropped yeah. or whatever. It's live stream and you're seeing exactly There's what's happening. There's all the happening. context. There's yeah. all the, the events in chronological order. Exactly. Nothing's being changed. So yay for civilian journalists. Yeah. That's insane. God, some of those videos are really just... The live stream ones as well, when you know it's happening right now. I mean, I know you know that millions of horrible things are happening right now, but when you're faced with it like that... It's kind of impressive that some people have the wherewithal in those situations to whip out their phone and start recording the policeman before (coughs) things have even escalated. And and then, of course, their video becomes critical afterwards, but they had the forethought Mm. to think, I should record this well i think a lot of the times sorry we're so wary now of um 
authority figures or police officers or whoever that you do just want I mean everyone films everything and takes pictures of everything now anyway but that extra level of oh we're being stopped and I don't know what we're being stopped for it seems a bit weird I'm gonna film it it is a little bit more um, a natural instinct now today in this world than it was even three years ago you know like it's moved so fast that's a natural thing now to get out your phone and just start filming things and that's why it's important that people oppose any kind of attempts to criminalize recording the police under normal circumstances for sure like it you should always be allowed to record what is going on as long as you're not interfering because it's so important that you have those external points of view, yeah. those external sources of, of evidence. And when you do see attempts at trying to criminalize that activity, I think, again, it's so transparent. It's like the only reason you'd want to do this is because you want to control the narrative as things kind of blow up afterwards. Exactly. Why else would you be bothered? Yeah. But that's Wait. that's the problem, ultimately. On, from our standpoint, as just regular c- civilians, we think, like, if there are bad police officers, to use kind of a childish term, but if there are bad eggs in that bunch, they should get exposed. They should, yeah. But then there are competing interests, like police unions. They don't care about that. They care primarily about keeping their union members' jobs. Mm. And then there are politicians who care primarily about keeping the police unions happy so that they get their next donation for the next election cycle and so there are contrasting interests here and you know not to seem too facetious but we need to make sure ours win pretty much go us because you know why because we're the only side that truly just wants what's right to happen does that make sense like we're not interested in terms of like the politics of it we're not thinking about someone keeping their job. We're thinking about someone keeping their life. Yeah. We're interested solely on what's going on here. Is this right or wrong? And if it's wrong, why is it wrong? And how do we change it? Yeah. And so, yeah. So, wow. So, for interesting first not light at all topic. I think we're <laughs> going to have heavy topics more often than yeah. not. Because they're more interesting. You have to go out on a limb more because they're controversial, but that's kind of... And you often have to make decisions you weren't even sure what you necessarily thought going in. But so so I was going to say moving on to a lighter topic, but actually it's not a lighter topic at all. Um, This is the heavy episode. (laughs) So I read a thread on Reddit. And it was a woman posting about, she was talking about her fiancé. And she said, so me and my fiancé got held up by knife by two guys who tried to rob them. Sure. They were like, you know, give me all your shit. (laughs) And he had a knife. And she even said he pressed it against her ribs, the knife. So it was right there. It wasn't, you know, they weren't standing far away with it or anything. They were right there. And I guess as she was getting her stuff out, her fiancé ran away. He bolted. He ran, Yeah, he ran away. So it's 1am or something in the morning, night time. 
getting robbed, woman, fiance flees. First reaction to that. Please. I, f- <laughs> I feel like there's only one right reaction to this, and that is that that guy's a scumbag. But then, and see, you tricked me into giving my first reaction, <laughs> and now you're going to introduce troubling nuance and detail. Well, I feel like when you read it, that like line, the title of the thread, your natural reaction is to think, "Whoa, what a fucking douche leaving her." Yeah. But then, I think to myself, actually, if he thought, and I don't know that whether he thought this or not but if he thought you know this is my chance to get away and get help they want to rob us but actually they could kill us but this is my moment to get away get help and then we could survive if even maybe even one of us will survive but that's surely better than none maybe that was his thought not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying maybe that was his thought she then goes on to say that they robbed her. It, she she kind of says that she got the feeling that they were then hurrying her up because he ran away and they, of course, didn't know whether he was going to come back with help or whatever. So it kind of sped things up and then they left. She kind of stumbled back to the bar where they were or wherever and a few minutes later her fiancé reappears. So he did come back but not with help. And so you've got to kind of wonder what was going on in his mind. A few things. Do tell. (laughs) My brain just went blank. I want to know what you think you would do in that situation. Oh. You put me on the spot. Yeah. How is this fair? Well, you know, there was the breaks. I will say this. I think everyone worries about how they will react in these kind of dire situations where your character is tested in the most profound way possible. Everyone wants to think that they'll do the right thing or the heroic thing. But I think everyone has that lingering fear of maybe in that situation where my brain turns off and my body is just operating on, you know animal instinct maybe i will run away maybe that is what will happen and how am i going to live with that and i guess this guy found out that when his brain turns off and his body reacts automatically he's a coward it's fight or flight and in that moment he chose flight but i guess the argument a little bit is actually did he choose fight because it's whether you believe he was running because he really thought he could go and get help. Now, the thread doesn't actually say that. That's just something you can infer yourself or I not. I think that's a very charitable yeah, reading of his actions. Yeah. Especially when you think about what happened next. Time goes on. It's been like eight months. She's posted this like eight months after the fact. And she's saying she doesn't trust him anymore. She feels alone. He has basically told her not to tell anyone. This guy is getting worse and worse in my estimation, (laughs) to be sure. Because they won't get it. They that's what that's what he says. They won't get it. And I don't know, it's odd because 
I feel like if she ran away, people wouldn't be calling her a coward. Interesting, yeah. I think because he's a guy... And he's expected to be the protector. Without realising, you let those societal gender norms play in. Because I pretty am sure no one would call her a coward if she ran away. Yeah, that's that's interesting. But does that then excuse what he did? Because there's a double standard hypothetically in the abstract. No, I think it's just you admitting that you do play into gender roles yourself because she's saying she doesn't feel safe now. With him. And obviously she felt safe before. And I guess it's whether you f- you look to your partner for that. Not everyone does, I guess. Well, what? What was she expecting he was going to do? I mean, if he's not art... Well, let me just say this. If I put myself in that scenario, and I'm assuming two key things. One is that I'm not armed. And two is that they their faces aren't covered. So that means that we've seen their faces. Okay. And you know what that means if you've ever watched any <laughs> crime movies. She if, didn't say whether their faces were covered, actually. I've got to assume they were, otherwise they wouldn't have let her go. Because if you're going to rob someone at knife point and you're going to press the tip of a knife to someone's ribs, you're Mm. pretty serious about this life of crime. But if you're wearing a hat and it's dark, who can really describe you properly anyway? What kind of hat is this? Do you think a balaclava is a hat? (laughs) You know what I mean. So assuming those two factors are in play, I would basically... Well, and again, who knows ultimately? Like you, You can't know until it happens. But I'd like to think, and I would want to, stay there and try to protect you as best I can. And if things turn violent, I, don't, I, I guess I don't know why they would if you, if you give them your stuff. But assuming that things do turn violent, the hope would be that I can kind of fling myself at them, try and grab hold of both of them and give you enough. I'm definitely going to die for sure because they have a knife and I have, you know flesh that is not invulnerable to knife wounds so i would try and you know harry them for long enough for you to get away that's what i hope i would do and that's what i want to do but again who knows what you're going to do in that moment but for you is that a gender thing or is that just a pure love slash sacrificial thing like, do you want to fling yourself at them in hopes for me to get away because I'm the man you're, you're putting the yourself first and you love me and that's just your natural instinct? Or is it because you're the man and I'm the woman and you, whether naturally or not, just think that you should be the one to do the protecting and the saving? Well, I think I have more capability of stopping them. Like yeah. for as long as possible. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to be able to fraught them completely. But if the question is which one of us can throw themselves at the attackers and keep them occupied for as long as possible, I think if we're looking at just cold, hard facts, I think the man is generally going to have an advantage because he's probably going to be Unless, of bigger. course, the woman has some kind of training unless it's ronda rousey and he's obviously stronger because that's not always the case that the man's bigger and stronger. yeah of course but i'm just saying on the balance of probabilities and in our case i think i would have a better chance at keeping them occupied for as long as possible 
And assuming that's the case, I think it's it's more reasonable for the person who has the best chance to keep the attackers occupied for the longest, and man, that was a mouthful, <laughs> to be the one who makes the move and for the other person to flee and get help because then the other person is still playing a role. If you run around the corner and go into, you know, a restaurant or whatever and, and get some people to come back around the corner and help me, there's still a chance maybe that yeah. you're going to be able to do the thing that saved me and saved us, quote unquote. But like, ultimately I just don't see any, like, I don't see any worth in us both staying there and getting killed if we think the likelihood yeah. is that they're going to attack us. But what if I instinctually tried something, as you said, I just flung myself at yeah. them and tried to stop them? Would you then... Oh, no. Yeah, I see what you're going to say. Would you then automatically think, oh, I'm going to flee now to get help? Yeah. Or do you think the fact that you're a guy that doesn't enter in... Or maybe not a guy, but that you have taken on that kind of protective role. Well, that would be a horrible scenario. And I let me just say now, in <laughs> preparation of this ever happening, and obviously, you know, God forbid. But if you did that, I think the... F and obviously this would be happening in the space of like, you know, microseconds. But in my mind, I think the first thing that would flash in my head was... I can't believe she just did that. Why did you do that? It should be me who did this. <laughs> the second thing would be if they, now that she has done it, we can't change that. If she has sacrificed herself, her sacrifice is for nothing if I don't survive. But I don't think that would be enough to motivate me to, to flee. I think stupidly I would then try and fling myself at them too and try yeah. and disentangle you. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounds good, <laughs> from them and then try and do the sacrifice in myself, even yeah. though it's probably at that point too late. And I don't know if that is my, you know, kind of subconscious ideas about gender, that I am supposed to be the protector and you mm. are supposed to be the protected. I, I, want to, I want to try and figure out what the most logical thing to do is. But I don't think you will ever do the most logical thing. Yeah. You'll just do the thing it's that your it's an instinct. animal instincts compel you to do. And I guess his instinct, whether he liked it afterwards or not, was to run. Yeah. Whether in his... I mean, it seemed like from what she said and what he said to her, he really did just run. Like, that was just his way of dealing. He just ran. Um... Going back to what you said about, well, at least one of us, you know, there's no point in us both being there and dying. Her point was, I just wanted him to be there with me because he left me alone. Yeah. And whether he was getting help or not, he left me alone and he abandoned me then and he's abandoned me now because... I can't really talk to him about it because he doesn't, he doesn't get it and he yeah. doesn't want to talk about it. But he's also trying to stop me from talking to other people about it. So he's abandoned me then and he's abandoned me now and I just feel alone. And so whether it was like your potential last moments, whether they were going to kill her or not, she just didn't want to be alone. 
she wanted him to be there. This is getting very dark yeah, and emotional. Yeah, and so I can see that. Your logical brain is like, well, one of us can survive if one of us can get away or one of us can get help. But I want to say my logical brain would be like, I would want to try and run away, get help while you tried to, you know... Play chess What's the with word them. I'm looking for? Yeah. Teach them about <laughs> Karl Marx. But I really can't imagine me leaving you yeah. in that moment. If I ha- if I saw a moment to get away, I really can't imagine leaving you to whatever fate. You what know do what I mean? Whatever fate. You know what I'm going to get like they, If he's got a big fat knife out, <laughs> you could be dead in a second. Yeah. And... I don't want the last memory, your last moments to be, she's left me and I'm all alone and yeah. now I'm dying. Like, so it's, you know, what you want to do, what you think you might do versus what your instincts are. I say all that and my instinct might be to run away. You really don't know in the moment. And then it's interesting to contemplate what will happen afterwards like in this scenario i think it's pretty clear from the limited information that you've given me that the guy knows he did something shameful like he did something wrong yeah and that's why he doesn't want her to potentially put that account out there which is like you said incredibly selfish she needs she probably needs to talk to a therapist and her friends and family about this to try and process it and try to figure out what she should be thinking and so I think he clearly knows that he didn't do what he was supposed to do. I feel like some people in situations never just know that the right way is to just talk. Yeah. I mean, if he just... I mean, I don't know her, so I don't know if this really would be the case, but I, I feel like if he just said, I don't know why I ran, I ran, and I'm really sorry that I left you. Yeah. I don't know what I thought in the moment. It just, my feet kind of took me away. I'm so glad that nothing beyond us getting robbed happened and that we're safe now. I don't know how to make it up to you or to make you feel like you can trust me and that you are safe with me. But I really want to prove that to you. And I want us to continue talking about this. And I want you to tell me honestly and openly how you feel about me now then things would move in a positive direction whether they end up staying together or not. I don't know why people's instincts are always to not talk about things because talking about it is always going to be the best way because now she's posting on Reddit about it and getting all this advice. Because she an outlet. Yeah, getting all this advice from people that she doesn't know and it's like, dude, just fucking... Well, I think he's not going to do that because he knows that the likelihood is that she's going to leave yeah. his ass. Because, like I said earlier, the those type of events, which for most, like the vast majority of people are just hypothetical things to ponder about. What, if they do actually happen, I think everyone kind of intuitively knows that they do reveal something real about mm. your character. Like, it's not like this guy had no aspect of cowardice to his psychological makeup. The fact that he ran away in this high-pressure, high-stakes situation, that says something about the way 
his mind makes decisions yeah. and what he values and how he's going to react. Yeah, because she said at some point in one of her comments, like later on talking to people, that what if they get married now and she has kids and he leaves the kid? Yeah. She's like, how can I trust him? And I, I feel like some of that may have tried to resolve itself if he had have just said i don't know what happened i'm really sorry i don't know what happened can we talk about this but instead he's like trying to justify it and not letting her talk about it and it's just a really weird situation and it's just so odd that you might do the complete opposite thing that you think you might do in that situation and then to live with those Feelings of shame and conflict. Yeah, because he's got to live with that now. Self-knowledge. Yeah. But it seems like he... I think any sympathy for him because of that is yeah. kind of mitigated by the fact that he clearly is trying to conceal it. Not yeah. for her benefit, because she needs to talk it for his, through yeah. with people. But so that he doesn't, you know, suffer reputationally because of it. And it might be that he kind of thought this about himself to begin with. I mean, maybe, you know, people pretend like they would do certain things or they pretend that they're tougher than they are and they have confidence that maybe isn't really there. So it might be that he's feeling so bad about it now in terms of, like, the shame and not wanting anyone to know, anyone to know is because his, his fears were realised. Yeah. Um, but it's now not about him. Yeah, it's not about it's him about at all. It's about her. No, I keep coming back to that. It is about her. Like but, I totally just can't imagine. I can. E I can imagine that feeling of. I can totally see what she's talking about when she's like, "I don't trust him now. Things are different now," and I just that's a horrible situation. Well, like we said, she's now had the double confirmation. He didn't put her first in. The robbery situation and like we said there could be kind of extenuating reasons for that to a certain extent but then he hasn't put her first in the yeah. aftermath when there's no good reason why he shouldn't so she has both points of confirmation that this guy is a douche i think that's the kicker for me is that how he reacted afterwards he had every chance to just try to make it right but he didn't he made it worse Somehow he managed to make that horrible, horrible event worse than what it was. No one wants to be left in that moment. No one wants to feel like they've been abandoned or thrown to the wolves or whatever, you know. So, yeah. This would be my question. If that was to happen between us, where we are held up at knife point, and I do the self-sacrifice thing yeah would you then be mad at me would you blame me would you be angry at me or would you would you kind of just accept that it's just it sucks but it's just how it had to go down i think what would probably happen is it would depend on the outcome whether you like that or not it would depend on the outcome well there's really because only one if, outcome. If, if the outcome ends up being that you're injured but not dead you can't be mad at someone for trying to sacrifice themselves for you. Um, but then if you die, then it's like, I, f I could imagine myself feeling mad. 
a lot of people might think that's wrong because you've died for me. But I don't want you to be dead. And that's what I'm really angry you at. Need I need someone to blame. Yeah, I don't want you to be dead. I don't want there to have been that situation where you had to sacrifice yourself for me. And I would, I would probably wish that it was me. I would wish that it was me that died or that we both died because A, I don't want you to die and B, I don't want to be without you. That's so sweet. And so, (laughs) I love you. The podcast just got all mushy. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I feel like because we've talked about it and I know we've kind of talked about this topic before, me and you. Robbing a couple. (laughs) Is that the idea would be if I could get away, that I should get away and get help. Yeah. We have kind of touched on this a little bit before. And I know that that's what you want me to do, but I don't know if I could. Like I said earlier, I don't know if I could leave. Especially if I thought you've thrown yourself at them and you're trying to kind of distract them slash disarm them or whatever. If I then saw an opening to help, it's then, do I leave and you die? Or do I stay and try to save you? And so, even though I know in the back of my head, we've talked about this, you want me to leave, you want me to get help. You've said that. I know that that's true. I don't think I'd be able to. But I hope that you do. (laughs) Or that you would. I know. And I guess the other point is that if I did do the self-sacrifice thing, I... And I know this is not terribly relevant, but to think about how I would feel afterwards, I think, I, I don't, I don't know. I think I would be very conflicted because I wouldn't want to take credit for it. Because if I do do it, it will, like, you will have to make that decision in a split second. And so it will just, it will be essentially kind of a subconscious impetus that pushes you one way or another. And so if I leap at the assailants... And I try and, you know, wrestle with them so you can get away. It's not like I will have gone through this thought process in my mind and finally come to the conclusion that I should do the right thing and the right thing is to save her. It will just, it, it, it will be like I didn't even make a decision. It just happened. And so it wasn't, in a way, it wasn't brave or heroic. It was just what happened. Like, you see what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like you have to actively contemplate and make a choice for it to be brave. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, because if it's just an instinct, it's just an instinct. It's who you are. You're not being brave. You're just acting. Um, but I thought you were going to take that point somewhere else. I thought you were going to say, if you made that decision or didn't make that decision, but in the end ended up leaping... And kind of thought, okay, now she can go and get help. And then I don't get help. But then we somehow survive. Are you going to be mad that I didn't take the opportunity to save us? Because you leapt. You put yourself in the fire. One of the reasons why you put yourself in the fire is because you hoped I would then leave to get help. But I didn't. And now our injuries are way worse or we might die. So you're saying if you stayed... You stayed around, you stuck yeah, around and I, tried to do... And, and tried to help. 
What do you mean if I just stood there and did nothing because I was paralysed by fear? This is assuming that we both survive, obviously. Yeah. I think I would be mad at you. (laughs) I'm sorry to say. But because I would feel like the sacrifice was in vain. But you... And I don't want to get stabbed. But you said you might not be making this decision. It might just be a natural instinct. But then if we excuse you for that, we have to excuse this guy. Yeah. And at a certain point you hit a kind of base level of can people be held responsible for choices they make in high pressure split second yeah. decisions. And I think we are inclined to think that if they make a decision we don't like, we can blame them for it. And if they make a decision that we do like, yeah, we either right. just say, well, that was just something that yeah. your subconscious did or we praise them. And I guess I don't want to excuse him for it. Because I feel like I would feel like her in the situation if it happened. Not because you didn't jump into role of protector, but because I was left alone. Yeah. So I think... I, I don't know if I'd feel as deeply as her, though. Purely because I don't... You wouldn't act like that. If you're, if, if it happened to us and your instinct ended up being that you that you would run... Afterwards, I know our situation would be different. You wouldn't act like him. And so the aftermath would be different. And I feel like it's definitely something you could resolve. To me, it's not like a breakable offence. As long as you deal with the aftermath properly. As long as you are accountable for what you did. You know? This is why we all need to wear body cams so that (laughs) in these situations we can then retroactively review the footage. We can see whether you're thinking about, you know, leaving or, you know, how you got to this decision. Imagine if in the aftermath of these situations there is like a court of like public opinion is convened where like 12 random jurors are like there's no legal implications it's just and there's no like sentence or anything there's your just, fellow man pronounces judgment yeah. on whether you're a coward well that's basically a little bit what happens when you post in public forum yeah that's what's happening we don't know you we can't identify you but we're sitting here saying we think you're wrong or we think you're right or we think that's justified so what's your next topic are we pretending we didn't just take a short intermission to have a snack. <laughs> Look, Tommy gets what Tommy wants. Are we trying to pull the wall over the podcast listeners' yeah, eyes? Yeah, they'll know, they'll tell. They'll I'm the whistleblower, it. dear listener. No! I'm trying to show you behind the scenes, trying to show you how the podcast sausage is made. No one wants to see that. I can attest for every single person, no one wants to see that. Okay, next topic. Okay, yeah. So my next topic is... So basically, I read an opinion piece on The Guardian entitled President Trump, question mark. There's only one way to stop it happening. And the subtitle is, unless voters on the left want to repeat bitter history, they have to swallow their doubts and back Hillary. And so it's pretty self-explanatory from there. You kind of don't even need to read it. That's the basic message of it. And so... On the back of that, I want to kind of talk about the two-party system in general and that kind of whole 
false dilemma that it foists on people. Okay. And obviously we'll probably get pulled into the the gravity of the black hole that is Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton and whatnot. I think the whole Trump thing, joined with the fact that it's also the first woman nominee, has created this really sort of special circumstance. And I know that there have been polarising candidates before, but I really do think, because of who he, he is and where he's come from and the fact that he was famous before and that he wasn't a politician, all of those things make him who he is and make that kind of special... It's got the special ingredient because you are going to get people in the future as outrageous as he is and as horrible as he is and, like, you know, all those things. But they're never going to have been, you know, that exact um, chemistry of famousness and the reactions he gets before. Coupled with the fact that, okay, we might have other woman nominees, but this is the first and it's Hillary Clinton. So... I personally, if I was American, I would vote for Hillary just so Trump wasn't president. But I once here in Britain didn't vote because I didn't, my views didn't align completely with either of the two major parties. Of the two major parties. And I had to make the decision whether to vote and see it as a wasted vote, to vote in hope to make change, or to not vote in protest, or to send in a spoiled ballot. I had to make that decision. Well, so you're basically saying that in the case of the election that's about to happen in the US, you would vote because it is such a special case. It does feel like such a one-time exception yeah and for the record i would have voted bernie but he's gone yeah and i'm sad he's gone back into hiding wherever he yeah monastic studies (laughs) so yeah continue sorry i interrupted you so basically my point would be in response to what you said i feel like so many election cycles feel at the time like a special set of circumstances. Like, when it was Bush, people felt like, we can't let this guy get into office. We have to swallow our doubts, like this guy said in his And people subtitle. felt that way about Sarah Palin yeah. as well. I just feel like there's always going to be the boogeyman, where it's like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying about the two-party system and blah, 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 but l- listen, have you seen this guy, this girl, blah, 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 candidate X... We really have to, just this one time, we have to put our principles aside in terms of how we feel about the two-party system. And we have to just ensure that the short-term benefit is achieved in that Donald Trump doesn't get to office. But the obvious problem is that if you always vote for the lesser of two evils, every time after that, you will always have a choice between the lesser of two evils. That is really what you're ensuring. I think you've got to recognise the difference, the real difference. Yes, I agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, there have been and there will be people of that level of, you know how polarising they are, how 
extreme they are, how crazy you think they might be or how dangerous you think they might be to society. But I really, really, really do disagree when I say Trump is a special, and I want to say special snowflake, but that's a good thing. So whatever the opposite of that is, he's that. His experiences and his fame and who he was before he became a nominee, coupled with the fact that he's against a woman and the way he treats women, all of those things combined do create something we've not seen before in our time. And I really don't think there will be anything exactly like this, because like I said, he's against the first female nominee, who's Hillary Clinton. That scenario is not going to happen again. And so I do think, in this case... If you feel as strongly as you as some people do about Trump, in a negative way I mean, not in a positive way because that's gross, then I would understand why you would be, we have to do whatever we can not to let him in our face. Unless, of course, you feel really strongly about Hillary as well in a negative way. And then that's a whole other sect of the conversation. But that's, that is essentially my point. This whole phenomenon of, Hashtag never Hillary, hashtag never Trump. It always feels like a unique set of circumstances. The next election is not going to be more civil, more reasonable, a better mm. class of candidate. Like Once something like Trump happens, that just opens the floodgates. The next candidate is going to see the success that Trump had being outrageous and being offensive and doing all these things to create controversy and which somehow then translated in success in the polls for him and the next candidate is going to do that but at a multiple of five in the hope of achieving that amount of success in turn unless trump loses if trump loses i don't feel like we will see this like rush of like people like him and even if we do, I think if Trump loses, it's almost like well, we are going to take the power back. And people might think twice, or that's the hope that they will then think twice about letting it get that far again. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, I think that's <clears throat> ever so slightly naive. I think if you expect Donald Trump's defeat to serve as a rebuke, to that whole style of politics of saying outrageous things to get headlines i think the exact opposite thing is going to happen all the fervent trump supporters if he gets defeated are going to be left with that anticlimactic feeling of we almost got that type of guy into office and that would have really changed things we need to really make sure next time that whoever the next Trump wannabe is or whether it's Trump running again once they've got close to the finish line and then been frauded just a few paces before they're going to want it even more next time and to be frank the likelihood is that Hillary Clinton at best is going to be fairly unremarkable a fairly mediocre presidency just like people thought Obama was going to turn things upside down at a fundamental level it was going to be this real revolution in politics and then it was essentially Mm. with some minor exceptions business as normal no i don't think it was business as usual it's all dependent on what you 
see as change, does it have to be a total 180 or does it just have to be an increase and a decrease? Well, based on his campaign rhetoric, I think it was fair to expect a pretty momentous sea change. And that's definitely not what we got. But my point is essentially that if you take a step back, as long as you're not like a Hillary fanboy or fangirl, I feel like after the Hillary Clinton presidency, the best case scenario is people saying she was okay. But then the people who wanted to support Trump or a Trump-like figure are going to say that was a four, that was four years or eight years of just the same. Like we still have that instinct towards we want an absolute upheaval, even if it means following a guy who has dangerous ideas, who is a loose cannon, who is not a polished politician. Are you going to go vote for Trump? No, but my point is that people will still have that instinct. And so that the two-party system is just going to propagate as it would have done anyway. I definitely see that, that people want a change and they want a real change, one that they can definitely like point out and say, here's the change and it went from here to here and it was amazing and everything's different now. I definitely see that and that is probably why Trump has got so far, part of why he's got so far. I also feel like he's brought out people from the woodwork. That don't usually vote. No, but it's almost like he's gone to a different place. Because you know how I was saying earlier how like even some people, even some right-wingers don't like him. And some people say he's not right-wing, he's somewhere else. And um, and I think that is intriguing and exciting for people and that's almost brought out a new sect of people, a weird kind of... I don't know, it, it is really interesting to see but at the same time it's so scary... Because he does have these really just, like, horrid, scary things that he wants to do. Whether, Like I said, whether he's actually going to do them, even he might might fall to the whole, you know, not much is really Just get changing. strangled by the Washington Yeah, because bureaucracy. I don't think he realises that he can't once, you know, being president doesn't mean you have the You're power king, to all basically. the switches. You can't just flip a switch when you want you still have to go through certain channels yeah there still has to be a vote in a lot of cases and i know that like the president still often then has veto power veto power i don't i don't think it's as easy as trump thinks it's gonna be well like you said he has mobilized this strange kind of he's almost become a protest vote to some people and to use an archaic term at this point he's i'd almost describe him as the bomb throwers candidate in that there's this certain large group of people who see him as basically throwing a monkey wrench into the works like basically i don't necessarily agree with all his ideas but i'm going to vote for him because he's going to cause chaos in washington Mm. and maybe in the ashes of the post-trump world we can rebuild a better system. I think that is a foolish idea. I think the people that are voting for Trump because they don't like business as usual politics, they don't like the two-party system, they don't like this, they are basically just being misled into thinking that that vote will change any of that. When if anything, it will just solidify it and it will solidify the polarization of candidates 
of the two major parties. Yeah. I think the breakdown of the two-party system has to be something that's taught on a really low level. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of people, <clears throat> lots of Americans who don't realise there's more than the two parties. Not because they're dumb, but because there is always just two parties at the end. And when people talk about voting, they always talk about Republicans and Democrats. And it's rarer to see them mention other parties. You definitely, definitely don't see it at any kind of level that you see the Democrats or the Republicans. So I think something like that has to be talked about at a lower level, has to be, you have to learn it, you have to know it, so that as you grow and you change and you evolve and you become an adult and you're going to vote for the first time, <clears throat> you realise that you don't agree with the Democrats or the Republicans. You need to know that instead of thinking that my one vote doesn't count, my one vote does count. And that's something else that needs to be talked about and really hammered home. Because it's so easy to think, my yeah, but it's just me. Not many people are going to think like me. And so it's just going to stay the same. So it's just a waste. It's so safer just vote. to go with yeah, the, the it's easy. It is easier to just vote for the lesser two evils or not to vote. And those two things, you know... It's a nice idea to think, well, I'll just protest and not vote and things will change. But actually, that doesn't work either. There has to be a real wave of a lot of people making noise about this. And I don't think it's either of those two things. You have to actually do something to prove it. And, you know, change doesn't come about from not doing it. It comes about from doing it. You've just got to find the right way to get to that place to break it down that was pretty deep yeah i think like you said i I think the most realistic scenario for trying to dismantle the two-party system would be voting for a third party whose central pledge was once they get into power trying to enact changes that dissolve all the institutions and systems that help ensure a two-party system i think if everyone or a majority of voters either chose not to vote or sent in spoiled ballots as a protest vote, that could potentially have an effect, but it's it's definitely yeah. uncertain whether it's going to A, work first time round, and B, have the strong enough effect to dismantle that whole problem. Yeah, because the first or second time, it's not going to be hardly anyone voted we should scrap this and start again it's going to be voter turnout was really low and it was really low again this time maybe we should think about changing something it's not going to work like that you are going to have to actually vote for that third party in order for it to see and if every single person did think okay it's going to count because there are thousands of people right now in the booth and they're all thinking the same thing wouldn't that be amazing if that happened? Yeah. Well, for example, in this article that I'm talking about, the guy kind of is very dismissive of people who, out of principle, vote for a third party or do things like not voting. He basically positions it as this kind of, yeah, that's that's all good and well and you've got your ideals, but that's really just you kind of indulging your own, you know, sense of self-importance but really the rest of us pragmatists have to worry about donald trump but really i think voting for hillary clinton if you're 
you know, one of these hashtag never Trump people. I think that's the much more indulgent position because you're basically saying, I'm going to focus on short-term benefit. And I think there is a real argument to be made there because some people's lives are going to be affected significantly if Donald Trump gets into office, at least in the near term. But I think it's the much more difficult, the much less self-indulgent option to vote for a third party or to do something that is likely to bring about the end of the two-party system, at least start that process off. Because you know that it's going to take a while and you know that it's you're not really having a direct influence on the outcome of this election, but you're helping to roll the snowball downhill so that maybe in 20 years that third party get a candidate into office and then you can start chipping away at the foundations of what holds the two-party system together. I think it's just difficult when you feel really, really strongly about one way or the other. A lot of people, well, I don't know if a lot, but I get the feeling that there's a group, you know, a large group of people that are voting for Hillary purely because she's a woman. And and then you get people that always will vote Republican no matter who it is, even if they don't like them because it's Republican. And they just don't want a Democrat to win. And so I feel like it's harder when it's someone you feel really strongly about, like people feel really strongly about Trump and they feel really strongly about Hillary. And I think when you're legitimately scared that this man he is going to change things you know that if he has the power he will actually do some damage and that's damage you don't want to see even if even if you have the hopes of in four years he won't get re-elected and whoever is elected will re-change that you can't guarantee that you can't guarantee that he won't get re-elected after the four years. You can't guarantee that that will then set off some kind of gaining back the power for the Republicans and then we end up having a Republican in-house for the next 50 years. You don't know what's going to happen. And so there is that sense of like urgency. We have to stop this now. We can't let this happen because it will set off a chain of events. And so it does just come down to how strongly you feel about each candidate. Even if it's, I feel strongly in the sense that I don't like someone. Usually it's you feel strongly because you really want that person to be president. This is a case of the opposite, I guess. Well, yeah, that seems to be the kind of consensus on much of the left. I think the best a lot of people can say about Hillary Clinton is that She's a polished politician. She's a relatively safe pair of hands. She's got experience. She's not likely to do anything insane. Like you said, it is being defined in terms of hashtag never Trump. Like it almost doesn't matter who Hillary is or who the Democratic candidate is. It could be Hillary. Mm. It could be, you know, it could have been Joe Biden. As long as it was a safe pair of hands. For some people, sure. I just don't understand how people can go to the voting booth and cast a ballot knowing that they don't really feel strongly that the person they're voting for is an excellent candidate. 
That makes me think, and I know this kind of sounds like I'm going back on what I've already said. Um, it's not. It's really just another side to it. It really bugs me when voting comes around and you have all those campaigns about just make sure you vote. Just make sure you get out and vote. Even, you know, doesn't matter which who you're voting for, make that vote count and use it because, you know, and in the case of women we fought really hard for a woman's right to vote and you're wasting it. Well, I really hate that because I don't believe you should vote for someone when you don't know. So that whole vote, just vote, doesn't matter, um, is crap because you have to be educated about it. You have to know what each party stands for in order to vote. Otherwise, you are just voting with the flock. You're you're voting the way your parents vote or your friends vote or who you see more in the media. And so I don't agree with that at all. And that also lends itself towards that whole two-party system. Nothing's ever going to break down if you've got this large group of people who aren't educated, but they know there's the Republicans and the Democrats. And they know a little tiny bit like, you know one side is kind of homophobic and is um like anti-choice and then the other is really quite liberal and yeah I'm I'm easygoing and open-minded and that's all you know then no you shouldn't vote it is it is wasted on the sense that it doesn't mean anything the vote's supposed to be an expression of your principles of your preference but I still do stand by this is a special case. I just think the people like you, those damned people like you, <laughs> who think like that, I wonder if they're going to register the irony if Trump loses and the next election we have someone like Trump or even worse, or whether they'll just fall back into that same mindset of here's another guy we can't let in don't really like the democratic yeah. candidate this time either but they seem fine and hashtag never you know mm. palin or whatever <laughs> and if that continues then the one thing that we can guarantee is that there's always going to be a two-party system yeah it's like you want change but you're just looking for the right time to try and implement it and there isn't a right time you have just got to start now and so more and more I'm seeing the contradiction. I mean, I can't vote in this election, so I don't know what I really would end up doing. I'm just saying what I think I would do, and maybe that is just all based on fear. Maybe if I actually got to the point where I could tick a box, I would be forced to make a different decision. Because I really do stick by all the other things that I've said in terms of why you shouldn't and should vote. So, yeah, wow, that was another heavy one. Yep, it was. I think we've proven that there are always going to be heavy topics. And I guess we just hope that you like listening to that as much as we like talking about that. And overall, we hope that you enjoyed the episode. And if you did enjoy the episode, we'd appreciate if you shared it with your friends or anyone you think might like it. There'll be a new episode every Monday. Um, and, you know, you can find that 
on iTunes or at artappodcast.com. That's A-R-T-A-T podcast.com. And that just directs to the SoundCloud page. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear that. You can send those to artappodcast at gmail.com. And again, please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes if you liked it. And we hope you did, because we liked it. And we like you. And we like you. And we're going to be sending you a cake. Yes. Yes. Any excuse to make cakes. I'm sure I'm going to say that every episode and never bake a cake. But no one on, I can just say there's a cake right here. We could be eating cake right now. Oh, I wish I was eating cake right now. And you would never know. Chocolate cake. This has been the cake episode. (laughs) Brought to you by. So yeah, two episodes in the bag. Not bad. Yay. I'm counting them. Our podcast empire has officially begun. I'm so excited. We're going to look back on this from, you know, episode nine and be like, (laughs) can't believe at one point there was only two of these. And now there's nine. Now there's nine awesome little snippets of me and you for strange people to listen to. People of the future (laughs) for posterity. Yeah. For our grandchildren's grandchildren. And their grandchildren. And their postman's cousin. <laughs> and their dogs, because dogs will be able to listen like people then and, and understand their languagisms. I think dogs can listen like people right now. <laughs> Let's I just think skate past to, languagisms. I think that's time to wrap it up when we start sounding Yeah, insane. I think so. Okay, so until next week. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. The music used during the intro and outro was kindly provided by Christopher from soundslikeanearful.com. See you next episode.